Welcome to Friends on Air, a podcast presented to you by the Friendship Circle of Pittsburgh. On this podcast, our teen hosts discuss real life with real people. We hope to inspire others by sharing stories of individuals and pairs of friends who have dealt with mental health challenges or just the ups and downs of life and discussing what brought them healing and inner peace. In these episodes, we also talk about the role that friendship and connection plays in a person's emotional well-being. Subscribe to this podcast to be a part of our Friends on Air family. Friends on Air! Hi everyone, I'm Katie Voigt and I'll be hosting this month's episode. Today we have a very special guest who I know we are all going to learn so much from. Welcome. Hi Katie, I'm Allie. I'm the wellness coordinator at the Friendship Circle. I have a background in clinical mental health counseling. So I am so excited about the topic of our podcast and how it relates to some potential loneliness, disconnect, and mental health. A lot of things that I'm sure we're going to talk about. I just can't wait. Hi, everybody. I'm Ayala Rosenthal. I'm the Teen Member Engagement and Partnerships Coordinator at the Friendship Circle, which means I get to be the all-around friend, have a good time here, and I'm excited to hear how this converse- where this conversation goes. We're really excited to have a guest here from the Mentoring Partnership. What's your name? Where are you from? And what do you do? Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. My name is Michelle Thomas. I'm the Director of Training and Program Development at the Mentoring Partnership. The Mentoring Partnership is unique in that we are an intermediary agency that helps support young people by providing resources, technical assistance, and training to mentoring programs throughout Western Pennsylvania, as well as schools and other youth-serving organizations. My role as Director of Training and Program Development is just to help connect those partnerships and supply the resources, help provide the resources based on the needs of the programs that we're working with and the young people that they're serving. That's awesome. In one sentence, what are you here to talk about? In one sentence, I would say I'm here to talk about the importance of caring relationships and the impacts that it can have on the overall mental health and well-being of people, period, but specifically young people. Awesome. Love that. So cool. So we're going to move on to a speak question about friendship. So I'm going to pick a question. Question of the day. So our question today is, what hidden talents do you have? That's a fun one. It's a hard one. (laughs) So I think sometimes like our talents get lost, unfortunately, in our day-to-day like working activities. So people don't Mm -hmm. get to see this other fascinating side of us. But I am an artist and I am in the coloring stages of a children's book that I'm writing. That I have have done so. Wow, so I like that's it. awesome. <laughs> that's amazing. Wow. Thank you guys. I wish I had some artistic abilities <laughs> like that, but I would say this isn't really hidden, but I enjoy playing the viola. Yeah. Um, I play in my school orchestra, and I actually just had my last concert last week. So, oh. yeah, it's not really hidden, but um, <laughs> I guess just like my musical ability to mm-hmm. play. Hmm. My hidden talent would be. I like to think that, like, animals like me. <laughs> I don't know if that's a talent, but I, I don't, I don't want to say, like, animal whisperer because, like, that's not true. But 
It's kind of what I wish my <laughs> talent was. <laughs> oh, I love it. I mean, I'm seeing you as like Dr. Doolittle. Now. Right. Exactly. <laughs> wish. I wish I could be Dr. Doolittle. <laughs> That's great. I would say mine, like Katie, it's not so hidden, but I don't know if if a lot of people know. I'm pretty good at baking. Ooh. Um, I, I put myself as like a rule follower, and mm-hmm. I think you have to be very specific with baking. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's something I enjoy doing for my family. That's a good so, skill to have. What's your uh, specialty? Do you so have? they would say chocolate chip cookies. Ooh, cool. it's classic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Love a good chocolate chip cookie. <laughs> so you spend lots of time working with youth. How do you help young people feel seen and heard? So that's a great question. And I would say more so now I don't spend as much time with youth as I did in the past. I have a background in early childhood education. So a lot of my work leading up like early in my career was working with youth. Um, my interaction now is really stems from like my mentor mentee relationships and the relationships I'm in with my kids and their friends. But in working with programs and organizations like other adults who support youth, um, I do a lot of education on helping young people feel seen and heard really comes down to being intentional. Like when we're in those relationships, it's one thing to engage and chat, but it's it's another thing to be intentional, to listen intentionally and to see intentionally beyond Oh, nice glasses, great shirt. It's like, what are you interested in? Why is that a spark for you? We use that word a lot. So being able to help educate adults on how to be intentional to ensure that young people belong and feel connected in their the spaces that they're in. I love that point because mm-hmm. I feel like it's always easy to tell when a relationship comes off as like not genuine or not authentic and like that kind of ruins it the yeah. relationship right it's right yeah I like that the intention I like point. that too and how you really have to start with getting to know the person because I think this happens sometimes on accident and even from the best intentions it's like you go into problem solving mode mm-hmm. a little too mm-hmm. early before letting people truly tell you like how can I provide support according to you right mm-hmm. and I think it also comes from a place of making sure the person feels safe in your care and kind of like really um, building that relationship slowly. And um, like you were saying, kind of understanding the basics first and then kind of slowly going into the problem solving Mm -hmm. on stage. Um, The next question I have is, um, why are you passionate about this? Has it impacted your life in a personal way? When have you felt most heard or less? How did that impact your personal and professional story? So I I would say the passion is really just embedded in who I am. And it took me a while to understand, like I have this knack for just being in relationships with other people. Um, and it probably wasn't until high school, I was getting ready to graduate and I was I had applied for a scholarship and I got a letter of reference from one of my teachers. And I luckily, you know, sometimes they're in a sealed envelope. I got a chance to read it. And I remember him mentioning about like my ability to interact with others and like diverse populations. And you're thinking I'm just being myself, but it was like this knack that I have in being in relation with other people. Um, Also during my time in high school with regard to young people specifically, um, 
I was enrolled in a home economic class. I don't know if they make you do those specials nowadays, but you got, you had a, I think it was like a week or two weeks to take care of an egg, like a raw egg as it was your baby. So you had to carry it in a basket. You had to do certain things for it. And I remember walking to class and I was going down a set of, it was like four stairs and I fell and I have this egg and I'm like, oh my gosh, my baby. And I remember falling and they're like, what about you? You fell. And I'm like, check the basket. And the egg was okay, but it was like the care that I had just to care for that egg because I knew it was associated to being a baby that I had to care for. I think really propelled my interest in working and caring for young people. And that's kind of how I started my career um, working with young people. But it just stems from, I just love being in relationships with other people. That's so special. Awesome. And so cool that you learned that about yourself at such a young age, like high school and taking things already inside of you and kind of making it into your life and career. Thank you. Yeah. And not knowing that that would serve me later, who knew, like I had no idea before joining the mentoring partnership, there was a place that would help other people form quality relationships with young people. So to be able to say this is my day job is remarkable. I feel like it's pretty similar to what we do here too. Like all the majority of our work is connection-based, which is really similar to the work that you do. And I think it's such a privilege to be able to have that sort of mm-hmm. um, career where it's all focused on facilitating and creating connections and friendships. So I could be totally off base because I think I learned this information in like 2010. So if I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm about to provide stats that honestly could be incorrect, but I think it's really interesting because I learned that like 75% of a counseling relationship is that interpersonal and the other like 25% is your actual like skills training, um, you know, et cetera, like your, your type of counseling, whether it be CBT or whatever, but mm-hmm. the, the most important thing that you're offering is you and that you have that naturally. And that if you don't, that's something that can't obviously be trained. I'm like, so curious to hear you talk about again, the training that you provide having this natural skill that you're now writing and developing training around this skill to me is like full circle. And I just, I I love hearing it. It's so a little bit of a tangent, but it's like, honestly, you have this egg, right? (laughs) You have kept it safe. And now this wonderful thing has blossomed from it, this, from this natural skill. And I'm just already loving like where your story is going and that you shared with us. So thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. My next question kind of goes off of what you were talking about, about discovering your passion kind of in high school, but what led you to your role as a youth and adult mental health first aid trainer? And why would you tell teens to get involved in the certification? So in other words, why does it matter if we don't know of anyone who's actively involved in a crisis or has mental health issues? Wow, excellent, excellent questions. And thank you for bringing up the fact that I'm a youth mental health first aid trainer because I did not say that. And it's (laughs) something that's not required in the job that I'm in, but it is something that um, I sought out. We stalked you beforehand. (laughs) (laughs) Just joking. joking. What else do you know? (laughs) But so thank you for bringing that up because I found that, you know, I don't, I don't even know. So I became a, an adult mental health first aid trainer in 20 or yeah, 2016. 
And in during that time, I think I found that it was something that still wasn't talked about heavily, uh, like mental health and why it's important. And I felt like I was on the cutting edge of like beginning these conversations in the community and didn't take that lightly. Um, I was afforded that opportunity through a prior job, always working with people. So I was working in higher ed and I was working with students and when you're working with individuals, you can't put them in a box. Your physical well-being, your mental well-being, like they're everything that make up a whole person. So to do the work and not focus on mental health, with you're not focusing on a part of that person, right? Um, so being afforded that opportunity, I realized how much, like how important it was to see the whole person and not just a piece of that person. We all have mental health. We all have highs and we have lows in, in our day to day. And if we only focus on one of those pieces, we're doing those relationships a disservice. So fast forward to more recently when I started at the mentoring partnership, I only had the adult certification. And I said, you know what, youth is going to be really important with regards to our work. Um, Ali, you mentioned like the stat as far as like 75% being relational. And I think in that, like when you're you're sneaking out and you're doing things, you don't necessarily notice the connection, but just by making people feel seen and heard, they'll begin to disclose and be their true selves. And sometimes that's sharing things that they're struggling with or not. So in doing the work of mentoring, that comes up. I had a job one time working with young people and I remember laughing, but I was like, oh my gosh, me, like there's certain things I'm so guarded to share. Mm -hmm. And they entrusted me, like they found me as a trusted person to share things that I'm like, I don't know if I'd have the courage to yeah. share. And then here they're telling me and I'm like, okay, like you have a responsibility to do something with that. And in training mentors, you want them to not shy away from things like that. You want them to understand how do I not react to make someone feel like, why'd you tell me that? Mm -hmm. But how do I then be intentional enough to help continue to have the conversation without judgment and connect to whatever resources may be needed? And there may not be any resources that need it, but a listening ear. So that's kind of how that all developed. Like I was afforded the opportunity, recognizing how it was just going to make me even stronger being in relationships with students and with other people. And then how we were going to champion that work at the mentoring partnership to make sure mentors had those same tools and resources as well. It's a long, long answer. <laughs> it's a good answer. Good answer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I especially, I loved that you said that we've said this before, I think on the show, but it's important to hit on it again and again, is that everybody has mental health. And, you know, we're talking, even if you're not actively involved in a crisis, issues come up and in the mentoring process, being prepared to answer that in a way that you're remaining open and you're creating that dialogue is so important. So we love to hear you hit on that. Like, thank you so much. Yeah. And I also really like how you mentioned um, kind of talking to people without judgment and whenever someone approaches you or tells you something like a student, um, kind of seeing that through just like a really non-judgmental way. I, can, I just immediately thought about this one teacher I've had for four years through, all throughout high school, and she's been exactly that towards me and just just how meaningful that is to students and people who are struggling with mental health. I think that that's so important, and mm -hmm. 
just having someone you can go to to talk about anything with. Um, so that's yeah. incredible. So the next question is, your work surrounds connection and mentorship. What is mentoring for our listeners who may be new to this topic? So in short, we define a mentor. I'll talk about a mentor first as a wise and trusted guide. Mm -hmm. But doing this work for so long, I found that mentoring can really embody the definition based on that relationship, right? So more times what that means for the, the, like the mentee role in that relationship. And so mentoring um, is really being in a trusted relationship, um, understanding that it is reciprocal. It's a two-way street. So sometimes we think of it as almost a hierarchy, and that's not the case. Typically, the mentor has lived experience that the mentee may not have, whether it's based on just the years of life they lived or based on the role that they have. So there's some imparting of knowledge and wisdom, but it goes both ways. So that mentoring piece is like both people showing up, being present and being able to give and take, if you will, like mm -hmm. uplift, but also be able to be a learner. And that's what I would say a mentoring relationship is. But I think they are unique to those people and because of that, that definition can evolve depending on that relationship. That's awesome. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that there's that that you were just saying, like the give and take relationship, and both people can gain a lot from a relationship like that. So to follow up, what is the difference between formal and informal or everyday mentoring? Do you have to be significantly older to be a mentor to someone? So if you would like to like talk about peer-to-peer -peer mentoring and what that looks like. Great. So I think sometimes in the mentoring field, we can confuse people by putting mentoring in these different boxes, right? But I'll use your um, comments just a few minutes ago, Katie, about like mm -hmm. what then is mentoring. So you mentioned a teacher mm -hmm. in your school that you look to, like they have that mentor-like support. And when I ask, like if I'm delivering a training and I ask people, were they in a formal mentoring relationship? Not a lot of people were. So a formal mentoring relationship would be something like, oh, we're going to meet this day of the week at this time. It may be at a specific space. Um, you're like matched with a person where most of us have benefited from these organic relationships where we have formed trusted uh, relationships with another person, whether it's an adult, a peer that we go to for support. It may not be every Monday at two o'clock. <laughs> we may call them. We might not talk to them for a month, some of those relationships. So that that shows like the variation that, excuse me, that everyday mentoring is that mentoring that we probably all have benefited from one time or another and may not have called it mentoring. We're informal. If you're familiar with Big Brothers, Big Sisters, that's probably like the Hallmark mentoring mm -hmm. program is having a big and being matched with a little and hanging out in the community. All of us haven't had the opportunity to participate in something like that, but it doesn't mean that we didn't benefit from a more natural mentoring relationship. So that would be the, the difference is something that was kind of structured, put together maybe from one of those mentoring organi organizations that we work with. 
versus having a peer that you go to that's a trusted person that you get mentoring advice from. And again, thinking about it as a two-way street or a teacher or a coach, a community member, a parent, a neighbor, um, you can, those all can be mentoring relationships. That's awesome. Yeah. I didn't, I never really thought about how many mentoring relationships there really can be because when I think of like a peer to peer mentoring situation, like I guess in my mind, I always, I always envision like mentoring as like, there's like an older, more wise person and then like mentoring the younger person. But that's really cool. There's so many different types. I kind of like it reminds me too of like our overall goals of a lot of our organizations. And I was just thinking about the friendship circle, that the one thing that we focus on so much is that connection. And in that connection, it's that I can learn something from you. You can learn something from me. We're both giving and that is what makes our community so successful. Like we're all in a, in a way, the mentors or the mentees depending on what our needs are. And I, I think that's such an amazing thing to recognize. Yeah. And like you said at the beginning, um, the ask the part of a connection that's just the showing up for each other, I think is also something we totally um, stand for here is like, that's what, that's so much of the relationship is just showing up for the other person and saying like, mm-hmm. I care, I want to hear you. I'm, you know, I'm, I can be a support in some way. Right. And just by showing up, you're really showing the other person um, how much you really are in the relationship. Like that's, half the battle is just showing right. up. And, yeah. Yeah. So if, so two things to kind of bring that to life, just based on the work that we do and what that might look like in training to maybe help the mm-hmm. ki- help make the connection too. So that two way street, we, we do an activity. It's not in all of our training. So mm-hmm. one training specifically when we're, when we're talking about mentors in a workplace, it's called tiny teach. And you take a, a few minutes and you pair off with your partner and you have two minutes to teach your partner something and you pause and they have to teach you something. So it shows like we all have something to contribute to this relationship. And you'll be surprised of like when you share out the, the in those quick two minutes what you can learn. So that kind of helps set the stage for what that looks like. And then the other thing in training, just by showing up and being present defaults back to what I was talking about, about listening and listening without judgment or without preparing your response. So we, we force the listener to not do anything but nod for Mm -hmm. 90 seconds, which feels like a lifetime because you want to validate by nodding and saying, "Uh uh-huh, you know, but we force them to talk about what did that feel like for the talker? to just talk and not be interrupted. And you find out you like talk yourself into (laughs) sometimes solutions if you're struggling with the problem, et cetera. So those are two ways in training to bring to light kind of how to to make that connection for people. I think we should add that to our programs because literally sitting here listening to you, I nodded like five times. (laughs) That would be really difficult. (laughs) I've been nodding the whole time. (laughs) Okay, so... My next question is you work with programs for youth so that they have resources to have quality mentoring programs available. What does it mean to be in a great or successful flourishing mentor and mentee relationship? I would say key first and foremost 
especially when it's you're matching people together. Like when I'm working with programs that are recruiting adults to volunteer with young people and it's not like that natural organic relationship, safety is first and foremost. So making sure those adults are properly vetted for safety. That's not only like having the appropriate clearances and background checks, et cetera, it's safety with regard to time and commitment and qualities, nothing like wanting to rely on somebody who's never there, right? Mm-hmm. Then that's that's definitely going to be a barrier to building trust and being in a mentoring relationship. So all of those things embody safety. Um, so I would say that's, that's first and foremost. Um, the other things that make a mentoring, like a program, a quality program, is then how they prepare those mentors through training, providing the necessary support to ensure that that relationship will endure. When it's a more of an organic relationship, the quality comes from like we were already in relation. There was something that already connected us to continue to build upon that um, and to be intentional. So anything you would look for in your relationships with other people, there's certain characteristics that you might say, wow, I looked at them as a trusted friend or adult because of X, Y, and Z. Typically they're consistent, they listen, they make you feel right, seen and valued, um, No, not passing judgment. So those are the things that make up a quality mentoring relationship. I was just thinking like hearing you talk is making me think of the people that in my life that I might not have even labeled specifically as a mentor, but who definitely filled that role. And it's so empowering to be able to have a support like that. Um, Is there anybody that, I guess, like you, well, I'm a, I shouldn't assume, (laughs) but kind of like, I guess, mentor people that are mentors in ways to you that you've learned from and have, I guess, added to your skill set when you're mentoring others? Yeah. So thank you for asking that question. Because when I was doing this work, I never like paused and thought back on my own. And we were in a session one time and I was like, oh my gosh, who was that? And then you realize it wasn't just one person. Mentors have served me throughout my life. So when I was younger, it was a friend's parent who just literally like treated me like one of their own to the point that I remember one time going to my friend's house and my friend was washing the dishes and her mom said, go ahead in there and wash, help her wash the dishes. And I'm like, I just, I got here. Like, I didn't have dirtier dishes. But like, I felt like I was a part of yeah. the family, the environment. And she played that mentor-like role. Like I'm still in touch with that family. But then throughout my life, I was afforded opportunities. And I would say the biggest characteristic for me was feeling like I was seen. You, you have times where you're like, I don't know if I'm cut out for this. I was in grad school and I was like, yeah, I waited too long <laughs> to come back. And I was in a meeting. We had to interview like a, one of the um, heads of a department. I was in an interview and she said to me, I would love for you to join my team and use this as an assistantship. And in the back of my mind, I was like, I might not even come back next year. But then she seen me just through that conversation. And that was one of the reasons I had a friend that also helped, but that was one of the reasons that helped me persist. So I've been afforded opportunities like that where people have paved ways for me, where I was like, they didn't know, feeling like, oh, like, I don't know, like having feelings of like inadequacy 
And then you have these mentors that see something in you that you like really didn't recognize in yourself until they pointed it out. So I have been fortunate enough to say, and looking back, that those are kind of like when you think about your path where you see those shifts mm-hmm. because of those mentors. I'm think it makes me think of. I feel like we should all share people that we've Please. learned from because yeah, <laughs> now I'm thinking of them and it's like so special to recall. Also, I'm thinking of two mentors specifically, one who, I don't know, was kind of more just like an older friend figure, but I definitely saw her as a mentor in many ways. And I was once just like dealing with challenges in general. And I remember disclosing like something really tough that I was going through. And the first thing she did was get up and give me a hug. And I am not kidding when I say that changed my life Mm -hmm. in that moment. So I think sometimes we underestimate the power of mentorship. Mm -hmm. Like it can really be like a make it or break it moment. Um, And then the second mentor I was thinking of, who I actually met here at Friendship Circle and who has mentored me through lots of different projects that I've worked on, will never stop believing in me. And I know it no matter what. And I think that's like... Mm -hmm that's what makes me first of all feel so connected with him is that I know he like is the non-judgmental point that you were talking about before. He will never judge. Um, He's, you know, not too harsh at all, but also doesn't mind, you know, pushing me a little as far as just like, you know, being courageous and following your dreams. And I don't know, those are some qualities you reminded me of. Oh, thanks for sharing. (laughs) And I hope the mentors that I'm talking about are listening to this and know who they are. (laughs) Anybody else want to share now that I started that? (laughs) Yeah, sure. Um, Well, I mean, just having this conversation, so many people are just like coming up in my mind and like that I didn't really consider an official mentor, but um, my viola teacher. So she started teaching me when I was like around eight, maybe. Um, and recently, uh, so I've kind of slowed down on the whole viola front. I've been playing since I was like five. So it's always been a big part of my life, but these, I still take lessons from her every two weeks or so, but I've been really stressed out about where I'm going to school and like what, what my plans are for next year. And every lesson, instead of playing sometimes, she can kind of see like how stressed I am and overwhelmed, and we'll just have really long conversations, like going over the time that I'm supposed to be there. I just am sitting in her basement and talking about life and and she's giving me advice. So I think that she's played such a big role in my development and not only musically, but also personally. And I think I would be a different person if she hadn't come into my life. So that's one person. And then also- so sweet. Mm-hmm. I hope she hears that. I want to contribute. <laughs> And then my tennis coach also, he's only been my coach for three years, but um, he's also the type of person who teaches me a lot about tennis, but also a lot about life. And I think that's really valuable. That's awesome. That's wow. great. I wish I had th- that good of teachers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's incredible. And I have a couple of people too, but um, just listening and you think of more people and more people, yeah. like, mm-hmm. that's the most encouraging part. Yeah. But, um, when I was in graduate school, I had a, had a lot going on. I was working part-time and then um, had another part-time job. And I had um, two female identifying professors that like served as really strong role models mm-hmm. for what was possible and always challenging, um, taking a, your work a step beyond 
and really taking the time, not, not in a critical way, but to see like how you can blossom as a professional. Like, and they, they went far beyond what I would consider like their professor role in my life. Dr. Bruno and Dr. Marshak. Um, mm-hmm. Dr. Marshak is actually a professional advisor for the Friendship Circle. So I also think it's oh, really awesome. neat to see how things come around in your life. And yeah. mm-hmm. Those connections, sometimes they stay mm-hmm. um, in really profound ways. So it's cool. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that's a yeah. full circle moment. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. That's so sweet. <laughs> Okay, now we can get back to it. Now that I took us off, I thought that was a good question because <laughs> I feel like sometimes we have all these people in our lives that like just slip our minds. But then mm-hmm. it's so like gratifying. I don't know. It makes me so grateful to remember that yeah. they're in my life. Also, life gets so busy; it's easy to forget the people that care about us. Yeah, yeah. I think the mentors come and go, like depending on what phase in your life you are, like are you're at, because. Like, I'm going to be going away to college soon, and I won't see my viola teacher as much. And I think that it takes not being with your mentor to realize Mm -hmm. the role that they played in your life. Totally. Mm -hmm. Um, What's nice, though, about pausing and taking the time to do that is not often do we have space to Mm -hmm. say, like, you were so instrumental. And sometimes we don't realize until later. But I, it, like, if you think about it in relation to, like, mental health and well-being, you know, we just have like a bad day. You could have a bad day and you're like, oh, you get with that person and instantly it is a, a mood change. You you can't necessarily put your finger on it, but you just know, like, I feel I'm in a safe place with this person. I have fun. Like we have kids that are part of mentoring programs that you find that their intend- attendance increases the day of mentoring because they're looking forward to being in that relationship. So you do get like those mental, physical benefits from knowing you have somebody that you can count on and trust. So for us to pause and just like say thank you was great because sometimes we're until you get a space to like really reflect, you're like, wow, they did make a big difference. And that helps other people want to continue to to do that for somebody else. So I think it's cool we did that. Yeah. Yes, for sure. Um, Okay. So can you tell us a little bit about the importance of boundaries, cultural humility, listening, et cetera, in the relationships that we have with others? Sure. So I talked a lot about listening, so um, (laughs) we won't we won't keep going down that path. But you bring up two good points about culture, humility and boundaries. And I'll I'll start with boundaries first, because in like adult youth mentoring relationships as adults, I think like it's important when when you're working with especially young people. Like kids will ask you tons of questions and sometimes they might not be things you're willing or wanting to disclose. And sometimes they might be things that you don't mind disclosing, but then you have to be mindful of like what you're sharing because right. it, it may just differ from like at home beliefs or whatever the case may be. So it's the importance of understanding boundaries. So one, when we're working with programs, we always talk about boundaries with regard to gifts. Like this is a simple example Um, if you're in a mentoring relationship and it might be one-on-one, like I was in a a one that was one-on-one, but we worked in group settings. So if I came in with like, and this happened in one program, I I didn't do it, but it did happen like a bagel and a Starbucks. And then nobody else was getting that benefit. Then like, 
it crosses a boundary, right? Like you might not mind, but if I wanted to bring you a bagel and a coffee and I just didn't have the resources to do that, then it, it can be problematic, right? If you're in a relationship one-on-one and that was something that was established as we can do, then you, you have to have a conversation about it, right? About those boundaries. Is that okay for the parents and guardians to want their kids to have gifts, etc.? cetera? Um, but more importantly, when, when we share about boundaries, I always like to say that young people have their own boundaries and we forget, like we come in with our boundaries and wanting to communicate them. But like young people have boundaries with regard to some of the questions we'll ask about touch, about money, about personal space, <laughs> like recognizing that even though you might be the adult in an adult youth relationship, you still have to respect the boundaries of that young person. So we will go through in training specifically, we go through a series of questions, see what people feel comfortable with, how they communicate those boundaries, how they would allow a young person to communicate their boundaries to help understand in a peer relationship, sometimes it's challenging when you're in a peer mentoring relationship because it's harder. It, it can be like easier to blur those boundaries because you're in close proximity with age. Um, with regard to cultural humility, especially in like those structured formal mentoring programs, the training for that, like that topic is so critical because you find that volunteers sometimes wanting to help don't always do so with the, they think they're well-intentioned, but they're not. And you're like, oh, well, I came from, I hear this all the time, a great background. I want to volunteer a mentor from somebody who didn't. And, and their, their background might not have looked like yours, but it doesn't mean it wasn't great, right? So we're assuming like this one way is like the way to have a great one. And you have to be mindful of people's culture, their lived experiences. So having that training is really important because if not, you could be doing more harm than good. And one of the things we like to say at the mentoring partnership is mentoring done poorly is worse than not having a mentor at all. Mm -hmm. So those are where a few places where like boundaries, culture, humility, and listening plays in because it could have the reverse effects if you're not being intentional. I feel like we're getting a mini training here. Like so much <laughs> yeah. quality information too. So, and I, I think you hit on something really important because uh, I know like coming from like my background in counseling, uh, obviously like disclosure happens or else you're not having a sort of therapeutic relationship. But one of the things that was brought up, I think in one of my classes, like basically what are my motivations in sharing this and like checking in every time before you know, you're offering information. And I think from the professionals, from the professional, yeah. or even, I mean, you could ask that of yourself as a mentee as well. Like, right. what are my motivations? What needs are, am I trying to get met and sharing this information? That could be, you know, the mentee, but mentor, why am I disclosing? Why is this it's important? Is this my need or is this mm. for somebody mm -hmm. else? Mm. Interesting. Yeah, like yeah. For that. yeah, that is, it's a good point. Yeah. So we know that you have a podcast and you could just kind of explain what it's all about and a little bit more about it. Sure. So thank you for that opportunity. So our podcast at the Mentoring Partnership is called Mentor Chat. 
And essentially it was designed just to have another way to share the importance of caring relationships and the impacts that they have on the well-being of young people. So it's just another way to get the information. Uh, we interview guests similar to, to this style and or we just chat back and forth about new research in the field, et cetera. But we try to make it for anybody who's interested in relationships to, to listen in and hear about why they're important and how they can get involved if they'd like to get involved. Do you get to host it? Yes, we do. It's a, And as you probably know, it's a big undertaking. This is nothing that I was like, oh, I hope we start a podcast one day. I was like, oh, my gosh, it's a it's a it's a big lift. But it found it to be so rewarding, especially I don't know if this has ever happened to you all. Someone says, oh, my goodness, I listened like, oh, my goodness, I listened to that episode. And it was so cool. Like, that is the best feeling because you're Agreed. thinking like this was hard and somebody's listening to my voice. <laughs> yeah. um, but that isn't that's it so hard. Do you have a hard time listening to your own voice or is that just me? It's tough. <laughs> it's tough. Yeah, it's challenging. <laughs> I try my best to skip over my voice. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> the mentor chat. I love that. And you said anybody interested in relationships. Hello. That's all of our listeners. So <laughs> exactly. That's yes, perfect. <laughs> Yeah, it's so much easier. Like, it, it seems so seamless. Like, just recording a podcast, and I, it's so much harder than I thought it was, it was going to be. Like, yeah. just holding that conversation and everything. Yes. At the end of every episode, we like to go around and share a favorite song, album, book, hobby, artwork, quote that helped us to heal or just brings us joy. So I want to start, Michelle. Oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry, yeah, sorry Katie. Start. <laughs> sure. Um, it's funny because if you asked me this question a couple years ago, I honestly I think I would have struggled a little bit. Mm -hmm. But I think when I think about like healing and my mental well-being specifically, I started journaling at the onset of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Like that was really tough, just being secluded from the relationships that I was used to being in. And I found journaling something that I never thought I'm like, this is going to be like, where does that come from? I find journaling to be so helpful. Um, so that's one of the things that I like to do. And sometimes in those journals, if I find quotes um, or scriptures, in, in my case, I wear a bracelet that says whatever. And it reminds me of my favorite scripture and just being able to focus on those positive things so that I'm not in this cyclical, like ruminating, right? Um so that's one of the things that I do that finds me joy in, in times where I feel like I need healing. Such a good skill to have journaling. I try my best, but yeah, it's harder. I you're so. a journaler. I am a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I am. It's just hard. Like it's hard to be consistent about it. I feel like for me at least, but it does. It's definitely a healing activity for sure. Yeah. I can relate to that too. I actually used to be an avid journaler, like through like ever, ever since I learned how to write, like, from kindergarten on, I filled like five journals and I don't really journal That's as so much awesome. anymore, yeah. but it's so fun to like look back on like a random date and be like, oh, this was where I was at in first grade. Or, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, second grade or something like that. It's just really cool to like also grow as a person through journaling and just remember. I feel like I remember a lot more whenever I write things down. Mm -hmm. So yeah. yeah, I can say my... I don't know why it came to mind, but it's not even an option on here. But I was going to say um, 
something that brings me joy is like really anything musicals mm-hmm. but specifically I don't know for some reason today I've just been thinking about how much I love The Greatest Showman I love <laughs> and, The Greatest Showman and the one. music just gives me life I don't know <laughs> it's a little cheesy but it really it brings so much joy to me to my life in general it's one of my comfort movies I yeah love it. Exactly. yeah I love that album I play it right this is me. <laughs> exactly. I, love, I love it it's so powerful like every part of it so empowering. Um, this is a hard one. I mean, I'm not really much of a reader, but I feel like whenever I do have the time to read a book, I feel like it's super calming and it kind of takes me to another world. So I feel like over the summer I read a lot more and I kind of associate that time with just kind of like resetting and I'm not really worrying about school as much. So I like to just sit outside, read a nice book, and it helps me to just kind of escape whatever's going on so I think that brings me a lot of joy yeah a good book is amazing um so I'm rereading a book that I read in middle school right now two books (laughs) oh the first one is Lord of the Rings which Uh is great and the second one I'm reading is like just Shel Silverstein's like Mm -hmm. books of poems I'm like starting Silverstein yes (laughs) amazing um is Shel Silverstein the giving tree uh is that somebody else is that is that that is yeah yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. the same um and then he's got books of poetry oh, like milk yeah. and honey mm-hmm. and um where the sidewalk yeah, ends yes. and the light in the attic and um books like that but i have a sh- i have a short poem because I, I think it has to do with what we're talking about and it's called the voice it says there is a voice inside of you that whispers all day long I feel that this is right for me. I know that this is wrong. No teacher, preacher, parent, friend, or wise man can decide what's right for you. Just listen to the voice that speaks inside. So, but I, mm, yeah, I think is. the voice is, uh, <laughs> it's, it's given by all the relationships that we've had, mentoring officially or otherwise. So I, I love that poem. I want to hang that up. Yes. Same. Now I wonder which one, because I... <laughs> <laughs> I bought the book like for the kids and it lives in my room and I'm wondering if that one's in the book that I am which do you remember which let me see if I can I'll I'll look it up but my other thing that I like to do is bad dancing guys that's also does that count? <laughs> it's like, yeah totally um, I, will, I will have to look for it later I'm sorry I don't want to be wrong but I'll, I'll look it let up let me know I love you. that but yes that's awesome what a good poem <laughs> thanks Sally Here at FC, our core mission is to be a good friend. In your mentoring work, you seem to hit on the importance of relationships to others in terms of overall mental health functioning and wellness. Could you just tell us a little bit more about um, the impact of friendships and other relationships on our quality of life? Yeah, um, I just... Like, we were made to be in relationship. And I think sometimes this falls to the wayside when you're working in programs, you want to collect data about student outcomes, about all the things you can collect data on. But, like, we're relational beings. And we've seen the negative impacts it could have if young people grow up in homes where there's, like, neglect. But the same is when you pour into those relationships. And each is different. Right. And we can't say, oh, it's just this way to make a quality relationship. It's how the in, the receiving person 
feels about being in those relationships. So we can share our examples and they'll all be different, but they were all healing to us in one way or the other. But the more people are intentional about creating space and time, I think we'll definitely see shifts and we'll feel more connected and united based on just being intentional. It goes back to being intentional, I think. Um, So if not finding those relationships, like my sisters are, for me, like that's my go-to, you know, Mm -hmm. and times where you're just, when I'm not feeling well, like that, you know, you have those quick access Mm go-tos, but we would love to see more people just spend time and volunteer as well as maximize the current relationships that you already have access to, um, to help, especially as it relates to your, your mental health and well-being. Such a good answer. Yeah. I'm so in line with everything that we do here. I think it's cool that our works are so similar and we have such a similar purpose. Um, and through that, yeah, like you're saying, I think emotional wellness and general well-being like has so much to do with the way that our relationships are running in our lives and the connections that we're having. Mm-hmm. You know, when I think about the relationships I've built here at the Friendship Circle, I think that, um, like you were saying, always having someone to go to if you're ever having a bad day or just someone to call um, and knowing that they would do the same for you, I think is so valuable and has really helped me get through like a lot of difficult times. So, yes. Yeah, it feels less isolating. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you're not in it alone. Totally. Exactly. In today's episode, we talked a lot about the importance of connections and why relationships matter. And I just wanted to thank you, Michelle, for being with us today and being willing to contribute and share all of your experiences. And I think that your work at the Mentoring uh, Partnership is just incredible. So we hope that you all will continue to grow with us as we share inspirational friendship and mental health stories and resources in our future episodes. If you'd like to hear more stories and episodes like this, subscribe to our podcast. Wishing you well, and thank you so much for being a part of our friendship family. Signing off from Friendship.